It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Starting off the weekend, right? Having a lot of fun here on 95.5 WSB. I've got Ann answering the phones this morning. DeMarco running the board. He's the one, the music master, the mix master over there playing some good tunes. And you, hopefully, 404-872-0750. Welcome to New Year. Yeah, I was on on New Year's Day, but raise your hand. How many of you were really up at 6 o'clock on New Year's Day? I wasn't. Uh, The show was on tape, but I bet you couldn't tell. Because I took some of my favorite calls, some of the really good questions we had from callers in November and December, threw those in with some guests and Pike Nursery and lo and behold. But I am live right now. It is 7.09. If you're driving to or from work, I'm really glad you're listening. We've already had some good calls this morning. And I'm also kind of throwing it out there, maybe some cool garden toys or gift ideas, things that you received for Christmas that you just can't wait until the warmer weather to uh, to get out there and use. I didn't necessarily get this for Christmas, but I had people over and they're asking me, what is that thing in your backyard? It looks so weird. And the guesses were incredibly amusing as to, to folks guessing what it was. But it's a, a black bin, a tall, skinny black bin with a lid. And it's maybe about three and a half feet high. And it's a uh, hot bin composter. And so it's made out of like, I'm not going to get this right, uh, no, I'm not even going to try. Some really, really thick styrofoam. It starts with a P. It's not polyurethane, but it's some really, really thick styrofoam that can tolerate being outside the the weather, the sun, the rain, all of that kind of thing. Um, and it's really, really cool. I mean, there's nothing to it. It's it's just a bin, tall bin. And I put things in it throughout the spring and the summer last year and let them compost down, you know, I guess three to four months at least is recommended. Um, And I haven't gotten the compost out of there yet. I don't think the temperature has gotten quite as high as it needs to. There's a a gauge on the top. And I think like 140 degrees is ideal. Um, And I just don't think it ever got up to that. It got over 100. But nevertheless, I've let it go for like six months. So I think it's ready. Um, So that was really a neat thing. And it's neat and tidy. It's not outside for, for, you know, I don't smell anything or nothing's getting into it. Um, And I am ready to go ahead and put that compost here in the next few weeks, mix it in my raised garden beds. I don't do any cool season crops. I want to, but I just can't find the time or really the discipline to to do it. But you know I'll be starting uh, tomato plants from seed and all of that in late February and getting those ready for the garden. Didn't have a lot of uh, luck with okra this past year. I did get some okra for sure, but once I harvested them, they just didn't taste right. They were really, really tough. So if any of you have any advice on how to do that, and this time last year, I remember on the show talking to Mickey Gasway about growing asparagus. And I think now is the time to at least get those beds ready and you're going to need a lot of room. That may be something I try, but I think that's one of those that's kind of sacrificial. You're going to give up the space for some time, not really get any that's ready, but then wait until the following year. Uh, so something to think about. My, my composter was a cool topic of conversation around the house this uh, this time of year. It's kind of funny looking just sitting out there by itself, but it is serving a purpose. 404-872-0750. So a previous conversation I've had with uh, aesthetic pruner Norm Mitleider on the show, wanted to bring that back for folks listening. Landscaping, you know, in some aspects may be slowing down, but crews are still very, very busy in the office parks and the residential areas. Uh, tidying up and making everything nice and pretty. But just a good reminder on something that's so rampant in our area, and this is something for us all to learn from. 
Welcome back. It's Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, and I have back with me certified aesthetic pruner, Norm Mitleider, friend of the show, helped me out a lot in my first year of the show here on WSB. Norm, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Just spoke to you a few weeks ago. Didn't realize we'd have you back so soon, but I'm glad because you and I have had conversations in the past about this. And oh my goodness, we love our landscaping friends. We really do. And we're proud of the industry But the ones that have not had the proper training or certification, the fly-by-night guys performing something that to us is a big no-no on a very popular tree here in the metro Atlanta area, boy, what is it, Norm? It's great murder. Yeah. A lot of them begin their uh, process of turning back the crepe myrtles in December, which you can do. But the problem with that is, is if the weather warms up in this particular year, They're forecasting a mild winter, so you might encourage the crepe myrtle to wake up and start producing new growth that could get damaged with frost. You know, and and it's not only that, too, but it's one of those things that perpetuates itself. You know, I see my neighbors do it. So I'm going to do it, and then we're all in this habit of doing things incorrectly just because we've seen others do it, whether it's burning your Bermuda lawn, knocking off an entire crepe myrtle trunk right in the middle. Um, You and I have talked about that, too. When you make smart pruning cuts, you prune back to a growth point or, you know, prune a limb or a branch all the way back to the trunk. But why in the world do people think crepe myrtles are, you know, different than any other tree? Why would you just lob off the middle of the trunk? Because they respond so much after being trimmed that way and people feel that, you know, they're after the bloom. So if you're lopping it off and it sends up 20 different growth points at the end of which you're going to have blooms, you're going to have more flowers. Whereas if you just leave it to its own vices, you may not have as many flowers. So part of that is in trying to stimulate more flowers on the tree. And a crepe myrtle, the good thing about that is it blooms on new wood. So even if you leave it and you don't have time to prune it, it's okay. It doesn't have to be pruned. It's going to put out new growth, you know, irregardless and give you those bright, puffy pink or purple or, or white blooms that you want. Um, but I had a friend, Rusty, as well, you know, who's an arborist, noticed some trees in Gwinnett County. And same thing. They were just cut off right at the, the middle of the trunk. And just pulling his hair out, like, who does this? Who allows this to happen? So what's a better alternative? How do we need to really think about being selective in how we prune? And and pruning for height reduction, Norm? With crepe myrtles, you know, they can become very tall trees. So you have to, every once in a while, go in and thin it and reduce it. Again, you're always trying to do that going to growth points. But there, I will say that I have trimmed stems down, but knowing the, the response that I wanted and achieved, that was fine. But just to arbitrarily go through and just whack them all at given heights, that's, you know, not recommended. But typically what you want to do is go in and, and again, look for buds on the stems and trim just above those stems that you want because if you trim just below that then you're going to have all these little stubs at the very ends because the growth isn't going to happen at that point it's going to happen much lower so you create a lot of 
dead stubs on the crepe myrtles. Yeah, and it's pretty amazing, folks. When you look really closely and you see those buds coming out of the side of the limbs and the twigs, that is going to be a new branch. That is going to be a flower, perhaps. You know, So that's why you want to cut just right above those. And then the energy goes kind of back into the branch and tells it, okay, I'm going to do my offshoot here. So that's great advice, Norm, just being really uh, particular and observant and you know, before you cut things. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, too, as I was leaving my mother's house in Woodstock the other day. She said, Ashley, my Vitex, my chaste tree in the front yard, it's maybe, I don't know, four to five feet tall. Um, but she's like, when do I cut that? And I said, I don't know. Let me ask Norm. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, actually, the best time to trim the vitex, if you're wanting to reduce it, would be January, February. And naturally, a vitex can send up a lot of sucker growth throughout the year, and those should be removed in the fall. Um, kind of want to leave them the early part of the year because you trim it off and the tree's going to send out a, a replacement. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you wait until later in the years, late July and August, the tree is starting to think about shutting down. So it's not going to put out that responsive growth when you trim off the suckers. So doing the suckers earlier, but then actually the pruning at the end of January, February? That is correct. Okay. And for those of you who don't know, Vitex chased tree. To me, it looks like a really big oversized butterfly bush. But you know, in the fact that it's got tall, thin uh, purple blooms in the spring, a lot of them actually grow quite well along the interstates here in metro Atlanta. That's kind of one of the earlier ones you see blooming in March and April. Norm, we've covered crepe murder on our beloved crepe myrtle trees all over town and Vitex or chase tree pruning. But the key to pruning, you know, you really kind of have control over the way a certain tree grows. And first and foremost, we want to remind folks, right tree, right place. You know, don't put something like a crepe myrtle that's so tall. You know, it may not be in the first few years, but it's going to get so tall, it's going to rub the house. It's going to maybe hit power lines. So you really have to be mindful of how big that tree is going to get. But Norm, do talk about once we have established that we have the right size spot for a new tree we want to plant perhaps now, Um, When you're talking about pruning and directing the growth, how do we have control over that? It's a very simple idea. What you're trying to do is envision how the tree is going to grow and what it's going to eventually look like. And what you're doing is trimming to encourage, direct the growth in a particular way to have that end result. And if you keep that in mind, whenever you're training your tree that you're just redirecting the growth. That way you'll be making the proper cuts because you'll be trimming to those growth points and directing the the tree in the right direction rather than confusing the tree and having the tree make up its own mind as to how much growth and where to grow. Um, And that's what happens when you just dead cut a stem or branch is you send confused signals to the tree, and so it just sends out multiple shoots in response rather than just continuing, you know, branching out in the way that you've laid out for it. Absolutely. And on a smaller scale, you talk about, you know, knockout roses, one of the one of the easiest things in my mind for folks to really learn pruning, because if you make some mistakes, those are oftentimes very forgiving. But 
you know, always cutting right above an outward facing bud, because like I said, that's going to be a new growth point. That's going to be a new limb or twig. And if it's facing outward already, then the branch is going to go outward. And what you don't want to create is growth points pointed in towards the middle of the bush or the middle of the tree, because then all those limbs are going to be crossing one another and no airflow. And we just don't want that. Right, Norm? (laughs) That is correct. You moved to the top of the class. Yay! I passed. I passed. (laughs) Well, buddy, I appreciate you coming back on the show. Always love hearing from you and your expertise and your knowledge. Certified aesthetic pruner, Norm Mitleider, thank you so much. Some more on pruning when we come back. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Currently a chilly 30 degrees here in Atlanta. I want to give a shout out, a good morning to Anthony listening in long, listening to us in Long Island, New York. And also uh, some folks up early with us this morning. I've got Tia and Ronald and Glenda. Good morning to all of you and to Karen. I'm glad you're up early with us almost halfway through the show. And uh, it's the time of the show before the bottom of the hour to give you this. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. A common theme for the show today is going to be pruning. So when we return after the news at 730, uh, Mary Lee and Marietta has some questions about pruning, some very common shrubs. So I'm going to cover that. But number one here, pruning trees. All of them can be pruned now because they're dormant and you can see the structure. Make sure you have very sharp uh, loppers or pruners to do that job. And number two, shrubs that bloom on new wood, those can be pruned now before the new growth starts in the spring. That can include thinking about abelia, butterfly bush, uh, confederate rose, rose of Sharon. And number three, now's a good time to be on the lookout for local nature centers and master garden groups hosting webinars or classes. Even Atlanta Botanical Gardens has a great calendar lined up for us in January and February. I may put out some recommendations on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page this weekend for some great places for you to get some free education. It's 727. We'll be back. I'm Ashley Frasca and it's Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. 7.36 on a chilly Saturday morning. Hey, it's Ashley Frasca, green and growing. You know where you're at. You know the place. You know the time. I'm glad you're here in the studio with you until 9 o'clock this morning. And then Dave Baker and the Home Fix It show takes over from 9 to noon. And he was just poking his head in here, teasing me about everything he teases me about anything and everything there ever is but there's four cameras in the studio all pointed at me and i don't like that demarco you see that too you got one pointed at you buddy you better not do anything bad so i think that's from the von hessler crew um they do like a youtube thing or whatever monday through friday when their show is live from nine to noon and i don't know the lights are green on these but i don't know if they're recording they're at least not moving around so i don't know if someone somewhere is seeing me I have a gray hooded sweatshirt on. Like, let me know. Give me some feedback because I want to know where on the internet this is going. Uh, 404-872-0750. So for those of you listening on the radio, you can't really see me, but you can see 
what goes on by following the Facebook page. Green and Growing WSB is the page on Facebook. I post a lot of cool pictures. I've already made a couple of posts this morning and have more coming over the weekend. Uh, Things to do, fun things to know. Uh, The other day was National Bird Day. I mean, there's a day for everything, so why not? National Bird Day. So I posted a couple of tidbits about that. Uh, You often see my Great Dane shadow make an appearance in some of the how-to videos that I post. And I'm going to get better about that in the new year. Uh, New year, New Year's resolutions, just having more time, you know, to do productive things and things you want to do. So I definitely want to work with Pike Nurseries a little bit and just start doing some videos for you guys. Something as simple as pruning knockout roses or, you know, how to properly plant bulbs at the right depth or something like that. Uh, So I will get better about that. Y'all hold me to that, too. Speaking of uh, pruning knockout roses, just had Mary Lee and Marietta call, and uh, her call dropped, but I've got her question. How and when should she prune knockout roses, azaleas, and gardenias, okay? So two of the three of those are pretty straightforward. Um, Knockout roses, as long as you don't have rose rosette and they're healthy and they come back year after year and they're looking pretty good, um, I've got two by the front walk. And and a word to the wise, too, if you're going to plant knockouts. There's a lot better options, um, I think, but knockouts are still great if you're a beginning gardener and you want something that, my gosh, mine had flowers until November. Um, but there, there are better varieties, but don't plant them real close to a walkway or a driveway because they start getting really large, like four feet tall, um, and they lean toward the sun. So in my case, they lean right over my front walk. So plant them back a little bit deeper into a bed if that's where you intend to put them. Um, but so, yeah, I have to prune them every year. Pruning them around Valentine's Day. That's how I remember. You can cut them all the way back to where they're only 8, 10, 12 inches high. Uh, you prune them completely back. And they put on all kinds of new growth in the spring. So don't worry about that. That's pretty easy to knock those back. And a reminder, too, with all the pruning that I've got you doing right now, my gosh, I think I've at least given you eight things to prune this time of year. But um, keeping the pruners, the hand pruners, sharp and cleaned as well. A mild solution with bleach or rubbing alcohol. That way you're not transferring in the active growth seasons of the warm seasons. You're not transferring any diseases or or fungal disease or anything from plant to plant. Uh, Mary Lee asked about azaleas. So azaleas, you always prune after they flower because immediately after they flower, they take a little bit of time off and then they immediately start setting new buds and they hold on to those buds for almost an entire year before the next spring. And you'll see that when you look really closely in a leaf cluster. So um, if you wait too long to prune, say fall or late winter, you're going to see those buds. And when you prune those, then you're not going to get any flowers. So um, if you want tips on pruning azaleas, there's a great how-to video um, on the Encore Azalea website. The brand name, Encore Azalea, you know, those tend to bloom Um, a little more often and frequently than the old traditional azaleas do. But it's just EncoreAzalea.com. And there's pruning tips there in a video. Um, Difference between a heading cut and a thinning cut, which I won't get into all of that right now. But just general rule of thumb, azaleas, rhododendrons, prune right after they bloom, shape them up, you know, reduce the size. And then the last thing she asked about were gardenias. That's a little bit trickier. Um, On Walter's website, on WalterReeves.com, he's got great advice for pruning gardenias. There, That's a broadleaf shrub, evergreen. It uh, blooms in the summertime. So you kind of have to do it in stages. Uh, prune it lightly in early fall, coming up in March. Early March is going to be a second time to prune. And then the third time is just after it blooms. So it blooms in summer a lot later than some of the flowering things we're talking about that bloom in the spring. So 
the tips for gardenia is a little bit different, but that's really those three times of the year is really to reduce those if they're just too large or they look unhealthy and we're really trying to get them back into better shape. 404-872-0750. Back out to the phones we go. And good morning to Jan in Milledgeville. Happy New Year. Good to hear from you. Happy New Year. Same to you. Thanks. What's going on? I have, um, we inherited when we bought our home, uh, two huge pompous grass plants that are at our front entrance of our driveway. We have two short walls on either side, rock walls on either side of the driveway, and the pompous grass is behind it. But well, we're going to have them taken out, obviously, by our tree person. There's no way we're going to get near those things. <laughs> but, uh, and what can we put in there to replace the pompous grass? Because it's, it's, it's one area of our yard that gets a lot of sun. So any thoughts of something? Obviously not huge, but something. There's room in there. Um, yeah, I do. I have a couple of good ideas for full sun, Jan, um, to go along with the lines of grasses. In the first hour of the show, I compiled a list, a good list of ornamental grasses for a caller, Casey. And um, I think a lot of those would be good for you, too. They're not as tough and defiant as pampas grass, and they offer so much more color. And some of them have dwarf varieties, so they're not going to get as big as pampas grass if you did want something on the smaller side. Uh, Carex is easy. Carex, C-A-R-E-X. That's actually a sedge, but, I mean, it looks grassy. But that's a good one for people. Um, pink muley grass is real um, whimsical looking, and it's pink in the fall. That's when it gets most of its pink color is late summer, fall. But it's beautiful, really just, you know, I don't know the word other than whimsical, just really thin and airy looking. Uh, purple fountain grass is a little bit tougher. It's got purple blades, thin blades of grass, and it has more of a wheat-looking, you know, colored plume on it. Um, so that's really inviting. It's got a lot of texture, a lot of color going on. And uh, bamboo muley grass is not something that I've seen in person, but I've read uh, read about bamboo muley. That may not be as good for like a shrub-type shape, um, but it is another grass. It gives you some other options. But also, have you thought about a tea olive? Those can get fairly large, but I've got one by the front door that I keep pruned back. And I think that those are beautiful, and they've got a good scent, too. If they're at the top of the driveway, maybe up by the mailbox or something, you'll get a whiff of them. Good choice there. That We weren't really wanting to do another ornamental grass. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I just wasted okay. your time. <laughs> we, we love the pink muley grass. Yes, those are great choices, but we just thought maybe there was another type of plant other than an ornamental grass. But I like the tea olive. We have two of them, and every time, you're right, when you walk by them, they smell so good. Yeah, they- a tea olive or a gardenia or, um, I mean, I don't know how you feel about a little shrub here and there, but one or two could kind of nicely set by themselves. Abelia? I'm just writing that down. Okay. Abelia, A-B-E-L-I-A. That's perfect. Yep. Abelia, tea olive. Um, yeah, some of those might be good. Gardenia is going to be, you know, a good, a, a nice scent. Um, I want to think of something. I, I don't know why. I don't even know what your house looks like, but I'm picturing something with like a, a bluish hue or a bluish tint, and I can't think of the name, but it'll come to me. But there's a start, Jan. So yeah, full sun, at least you've got a lot of great options. Um, right. Shoot. Even what about a limelight hydrangea? Oh, yeah, we have one in the front of our house, and we do like that. I'm going to write that down. I do like limelight. I know you're a good gardener. You probably have one of almost everything. I know you do because you ask a lot of good questions, so you obviously have experience with a lot of these plants. But let me know what you decide on because I'm curious, um, you know, aesthetically what may work for you best. But I think that's a good idea, pulling that pampas grass out. It just, after years and years and years, it just kind of becomes a little stale, you know? Right. It does, and you cannot deal with it. Yeah. 
And that landscaper, I mean, you know, if, if hooking a chain or a rope up to a truck and pulling it out, if that's what it takes, a, a lot of times that's a that's a big task to get that out of there. You can't do it by yourself. Oh, no, we didn't even plan on that. I said, we're calling our tree guy because those things were not going near them. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Jan, thanks for the call and getting my brain a little warmed up this morning. All kind of, you know, I know you'll be listening, so I'll throw out a couple others as they come to me. That sounds great. Thanks for your oh, help. Thanks. Happy New Year. Always good to hear from you. Bye-bye. Lovely. I love that. I love the challenge of coming up with plant recommendations. And eh, well, not for Jan, but for anybody else that was listening to the ornamental grass recommendations, uh, like I said in the first hour, just colorful, something a little bit different. If that's not something you've considered, uh, the ones I just threw out, I have on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, just to give you some ideas, thinking outside the box a little bit. All right. Up next is Jean from Duluth calling about poison ivy. Jean, good morning. You must have been listening to hour number one, huh? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, So what do you have to say about that? Well, poison ivy, even though it's dormant with just the bare stem, uh, has oil in it. (gasps) And the other thing you don't ever want to do is burn it and inhale the smoke. Boy, that's true. Because it's oil in the smoke and gets in your lungs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people have gone to the emergency room doing that. That's awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just that. And then you were talking about your okra being tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, You waited too late to pick it. Oh. You pick it very small. We, uh, I, my dad, I mean, I grew up with relatives the end of dirt road and log house. So we grew a lot of what we ate, and yeah. we also sold at a farmer's market. Ooh. And we would pick the okra about every other day. Oh, my gosh. Well, so but how does it get large? Like the ones you buy in the grocery store, you know, are about the well, size the that I wanted var- to get it. Yeah, certain varieties. Okay. Uh, this guy, is, there's one group that does uh, comparisons down is South Georgia, uh, Florida line, somewhere along in there. And his his recommendation for the best one he liked was Jambalaya. Oh, cool. Okay. And he said, now, there's not okra in Jambalaya. It's in gumbo, but that's what they, whoever developed it, called it. And uh, some of it, yes, will, especially if you got a lot of water. If it's dry, you know, we always just uh, take the tip of it and, and, squeeze on it and if it broke it's tender if it did break if it'll bend over or kind of squish it's tough it's like chewing on a broom it's awful yeah yeah see it's it's, you've let it go too hard now some folks use that (coughs) just cut it up and put it in soup as a thickener Mm -hmm. but it is uh, woody and and not really uh edible uh when it gets to it's to you know uh and that's where you have to keep playing with it and and testing it to see how long you can. Most people grow Clemson spineless. I mean, my dad saved his own seed, always wow. left a few pods of the big best and use them over and over, you know, and to develop pretty good size pods. But, you know, yeah, I, it, gee, it does get tough. If you don't mind, I want to put you on hold and talk to you. I'm glad you brought up the seed because I did that. I did that this past year. I saved some okra seed. And I had some tips, and I think I did it right because uh, I successfully got plants. But we'll tell you how, and I want to run it by Gene when we come back. Time to take a break, but we will be right back here on Green and Growing. You're listening to WSB. I hope it's not too late because we've had a couple of hard freezes now, but I ran around like a squirrel and covered some things outside a couple of days ago. Um, so like a tender uh, Confederate rose that I had propagated over the summertime, covered that up. There are just a lot of things that you probably should go ahead and drape a sheet over 
uh, with the temperatures this cold if you haven't already. So, okay, in the last segment, we were talking to Jean and Duluth about okra. Um, Jean, so you said, I'd let it go too long. It grew too large, and that's why it was tough. Give me the hint again about, like, maybe checking it daily when you know you're ready to harvest it. Yeah, we, we used to pick it about every other day, partly because we went to the farmer's market every other day. Yeah. And that way it didn't get very, you know, real tall, real big. And uh, the other is you can take the tip of it and about the last uh, quarter, half inch, just put your thumb on it and bend it over. And if it snaps, it's tender. If it doesn't snap but squishes or bends, then it's tough. And you're talking about the, the <laughs> end tip that is not attached right, to the plant, the, right? The little tiny tip on the far end away from the plant. Okay. Right? And you mentioned seeds, which was kind of fun because I had seeds and they're like the ones I had, small little black balls almost um, from okra. Right, right, and right. so I soaked those in water for, I think, a day or two before I really tried to start them um, from seed. What do you do? Oh, that's that's it. I mean, my dad used to just soak them an hour or two in warm water. Okay. But I had soaked them a couple of days, and you would even see them start to you know pop out a little bit so they come up real fast. Uh, and somebody, some I saw somebody else's book, they talked about soaking them in uh, buttermilk. Oh, wow. Uh, that was a day, like my aunt and them, they had cows and did their own churn. I, I grew up churning my own butter. And they, you had plenty of buttermilk, so you'd use it for all kind of weird things like that. <laughs> well, hey, whatever works, right? I mean, if you have yeah. a lot of it, then why not? Well, Gene, right. hey, listen, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And as I said, uh, anytime you hear something that maybe doesn't sound right or something you have a lot more experience than I do about, please give me a call. Yeah, and just warn people about that. Uh, don't burn uh, the poison ivy and the smoke because it will get in your lungs. That's a, that's yeah. a thing to if, if you take nothing else away from the show today, folks, I think Gene's <laughs> advice could very well save your life. Hey, thank you. Happy New Year, You're Gene. I love learning from all of you, not only my guest experts that call from Clemson and the University of Georgia and Master Gardener groups and friends of Walter Reeves, but all of you. There's so much to learn and so much we can share. And speaking of Mickey Gasway, she is a very, very generous person, works there at the West Cobb Pike Nursery. She said, Ashley, always remember... When you think of okra, okra, hibiscus, and cotton, they're all first cousins. They're all from the same family, and they're heavy feeders, and they need a lot of fertilizer, too. Um, and something else I was reading about this morning, citrus trees. Uh, citrus trees, if you have Meyer lemon or ponderosa or something like that, uh, those are heavy feeders as well. So maybe on your to-do list today or this month, if you get out to Pike Nursery, pick up some fertilizer. That way you're ready to go in the spring when things are actively growing. You've got all your tailored fertilizers for all your plants, and you're going to be well on your way to success. So coming up in about 30 minutes, we will be talking to Pike Nursery. But in the meantime, your calls and a little bit of houseplant happiness coming up at 8 o'clock. 404-872-0750. It's Green and Growing. We'll be right back on WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.